0: You were just like I did at your age. Please don't say that,
1: Dad. I'm 16 years old. I'm not a child. Don't you
0: take that tone of voice with me, young lady. Love you, Dad. I love you too, son.
1: You're listening to Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Two friends since neither of us won the presidential fitness test. Now Dad's reliving the Disney
0: movies we grew up on with our own kids. I'm JB Wagner. (laughs) And I'm Eddie Ferguson. (laughs) And on today's episode, we realized that we would have liked to visit from the Molinator as we review the Santa Claus 2. But before that, JB, how are you and the family doing?
1: Good. We are so excited. We just found out that we are having another girl. Girl is on the way in April. Uh, and just like I was telling you before we got started, when you asked me, how do I feel being outnumbered? Well, one, I already feel outnumbered with two, two, two babies, but also another girl in the mix. Well, if the next girl is anything like our current girl, it's not going to be that. <laughs> I mean, it is tea parties and in, in princess dresses, but princesses that rustle and fight and yeah. push and pull and, and prod and all of the things like rough and tumble. I don't think that the purely pretty, plastic princesses are in our or in our fate at all
0: when i when i like wrestle and roughhouse with the three kids ellie is the roughest i mean and she takes the cheapest shots i mean she's just like we always joke like if any kid is gonna kill us in our sleeps it's her
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah i don't know what uh
1: what other people's homes are like when they have a lot of females in there, but I, I don't think this is really trending the same, the stereotypical way for us. Now I'm sure it'll probably be different once uh, my daughter gets older and the you next should call Justin.
0: Justin is our friend. Justin has three daughters. He He would know.
1: I was thinking about this. I don't know a lot of people with an older son and, or like one son and multiple daughters. I'm trying to think of somebody in my life who, lived that situation and i don't know
0: anybody i'd have to i'd have to think about that yeah i don't know so have you guys done the thing yet you know like i think the whole time sarah was pregnant with so we would just kind of do the whole like you know she'd have one kid i'd have one kid and be like a crazy situation and we just look at each other and go where are we gonna put the third where does he go where
1: (laughs) i kept on telling my wife for a long time two hands two babies <laughs> she she didn't find that funny
0: we break bigs and littles so it's like our catchphrase. we'll go you've got the bigs okay i'll i'll take the littles and so like ellie just bounces between either group um and so there's certain things where you're like it's better for one person to take the two littles or in certain circumstances it's better for one person to take the two bigs i like this plan i think i'm think i'm gonna steal it so it's just kind of like Somebody's gotta have two, and luckily, Ellie is a good kind of pivot point and she uh she goes with one of the boys this is this is a good this is a good idea yeah, and the key to anything in parenting have plenty of snacks at all time ready to bribe them you can You can weather anything if you've got plenty of fruit snacks love it right.
1: This is great. This, this is great parenting advice for all, all ages of kids, for sure. But right. enough about me and our uh, family stuff. Eddie, we got, a, we, got a big, we got a big episode to do here. We got three big time things to talk about, inclu- including a classic Christmas film. But first, the thing everybody's talking about, Bob Iger is back in and Bob Paycheck, Chapstick, whatever his name is, is out. You and many other people were texting me while I was at Wakanda Forever about this.
0: Oh, you were at
1: Wakanda Forever. I was watching it, watching my phone blow up with Christmas came early and (laughs) lots of those kind of memes.
0: Yes. So for context, I know this is being released on Wednesday, but we are recording Monday evening of November 21st. So it's been out in the news for 24 24 hours. hours. And I have a feeling by the time this episode actually releases, we're going to hear a lot more stories because right now everything is just kind of some some whispers and some rumbling and everything. But uh, yeah, we we were just kind of like "Eh, it was a long day on Sunday. So we're like, hey, let's lay in bed and let's just watch some like YouTube channels that we really like. And I followed this DSNY newscast, and it said, like, live stream premiering in 20 minutes. I'm like, why is he going on a live stream? And it was Bob Paycheck fired, Bob Iger coming back. And I'm like, no, this is like, because he had just released a video earlier that day, like, talking about how. ChayPek was diminishing the Disney brand and all these different things. And it was really odd because this, this is a creator who usually stays very positive. It's one of the reasons why I like him because he doesn't complain about this or that. And a lot of other Disney creators in the past two years have done nothing but complain and complain. And I'm like, no matter how bad it is, you guys get to go to Disney World every day. Like, mm, it's it's kind of hard to hear you complain. So when he like it was obvious this was negative, it was like, is this real? And I immediately hop on Apple News, just kind of like see like, what are the major news outlets saying? Like, because if this was real, major news outlets are going to be dropping Mm -hmm. this. And yes, it was like Hollywood Reporter, Wall Street Journal, like boom, 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 boom. This is what had happened, Um, that the board uh, convinced Bob Iger to come back after only having been officially retired from Disney for 11 months to come back. He had stepped down as CEO almost two years ago, but he had retired after uh, kind of a a unique position that he had had for a while. He'd only been retired 11 months, invited him back. He, the thing that I'm hearing, so I've been watching all of these like inside sources on Mm -hmm. Twitter and following all this stuff down. The way I hear it is the, uh, Chairwoman of the board reached out to Bob Iger Friday night. He only took 12 hours to think about it and confirmed on Saturday. The board worked through the night on Saturday to come up with a plan. Sunday night, just like an hour before we all heard about it, they told Bob Chapek. Wow. And blindsided him. Bl- uh, Blind spotted him. Blindsided uh, him. Blindsided him. Sorry. There we go. Uh, you figured it out. I figured it out. I got there eventually. And this is all happening while like half of Disney executives are at the AMA's, and the other half are at the farewell concert to Elton John, which Disney Plus is streaming live. Like this is a huge, two huge <laughs> Disney events going on. You know, they've got this exclusive rights to live stream Elton John's last concert in North America. And apparently several of them suspiciously just start disappearing from those events. And while and while they're sitting there, employees start to get this email from Bob Iger saying, I'm so fellow employees. I'm so excited to be back as your CEO. That's how they find out. That's how they find out. And the rejoicing, it just explodes like every YouTuber posted a video about it. Every person on on Twitter that's on like Disney Twitter is posting how excited they are. Like no one was sad and not even Bob Chapek could be sad because the rumor is that they gave this guy twenty three million dollars. Golden parachute to walk away from his contract, man. Twenty three. It was funny because I was Sarah and I were talking about it. She's like, "Yeah, but don't you kind of feel bad for Bob Chapek?" And then I said that I was like, "Well, they got twenty three million dollars." She goes, "Okay, no, I'm not sad. I'm not sad for him." Chapek has
1: been the whipping boy, the whatever you want to call him for Disney ever since he took over,
0: and even ever since he took over parks and and resorts. Because so Iger's last four years, five years, JPEC was over Parks. And he, I mean, he kind of slowly started whittling away at different things. Um, and then when he took over his CEO, boom, it was just like the, the Disney difference, that experience was, was higher than, you know, was lower than ever. Um, and it was obvious that he just didn't understand the Walt Disney Company, like just was so deft to what the company really was that he was working with.
1: And it's so interesting because he's been there a really long time. He's a long, long long-term employee. It's not like they brought him in like the last couple of years. He had been there and been running the place, running uh, parks and other, um, uh, I think he did uh, direct to DVD and stuff like that.
0: Merchandising, you know, he kind of stayed very much in one lane of consumer products for for the longest time. But I mean you go all the way back, and I think we even talked about it here was the debacle with Scarlett Johansson and how mm-hmm. they rolled out um Black Widow. Like I think that was the writing on the wall for everybody of going, oh, he doesn't know what business he's in.
1: You don't take off name stars that everybody loves. It's just something about that. You'd think it would be common sense, but he didn't, quite,
0: he didn't quite get that. Well, there was also this great quote from him, quote, you know, great quote, in in quotes. Um, he said, I mean, this was only two weeks ago. He was being interviewed by the Wall Street Journal. And I think he was trying to be positive about this. He was trying to say something nice about cast members. But he starts off by going, you know, nobody goes to a Disney park for the castle or for the churro on main street or for the, the amazing rides, what people really love about their Disney experience is their interactions with our cast members. And it was like, you're well, no, yes. Like cast members, you're not going to have it without that. Like, you've got some of the best people working there. And like, they're definitely the friend, you know, it's just a, that Disney difference that they bring, but it's the whole package. Like you go to Disney because you want that Disney experience, which is all of those things. Like you need all of those things together to formulate that. And so it's like, man, you don't, you don't really understand why people go to the parks. You don't, Understand what draws people to your movies.
1: Was this before or after he said adults don't watch Disney movies?
0: It was after. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, Just in the past in six, six weeks, he's had the whole like, you know, well, adults don't really watch animated films. To which you know, somebody's probably at The Simpsons going, really? You don't think people watch adults watch animation? You just spent 71, 70, 70 something billion dollars to acquire us. Yeah, I think adults watch animation. Can you walk us through
1: uh, the timeline of, because there's multiple times that Iger was supposed to step down. They kind of delayed it. He did step down. Then the pandemic like happened and he came back and another revolt. Can you kind of walk us through what that whole timeline was? Cause this is not the, this wasn't like he just like clean left and now he's back. There was a lot of starts and stops with this.
0: Yeah. And I think that's going to be, as I watched even a few just kind of business analysts today, you know, this is not the um, it's not the long term solution here. Right. And they they only brought Iger back for two years. I think only two at, years, only two <laughs> we'll years. See how many? It ends no, up being. no one expects that to be held to because he's never held um, the exact timing. I can't remember, but there was at least two times previously that he was set to retire And they pushed it back and then they pushed it back. One of the most notable ones was about 2018. He was supposed to step aside. um, And then the whole Fox acquisition was kind of coming to a conclusion. And a part of that acquisition was, we'll only do this if you stay on for, I think it was like another two years. Wow. and a part of what happened there is, and there was one previously, let's say 2016, that was kind of a similar thing. Um, the people that were in the company r- kind of growing up in the ranks that that were being prepared to take over as CEO grew impatient. You know, it was like, is dad ever going to leave, leave and hand the, the, the store over to me? So in many ways, you know, we can whine and complain about Chapek as much as we want. He's Iger's creation, um, you know, or we can, we can sit here and celebrate Iger's return as much as we want. The, the problems of the past few years were just as much Iger's creation by complacency or volition. It doesn't matter. Um, so, you know, the, the people who would have been much better to take over that I don't think any of these you know, crazy situations would have happened under all moved on because they thought, you know, Iger's never going to let go. And uh, I'm not going to I need to step out into another arena so I can have my chance elsewhere.
1: Yeah, it's hard to be incredibly celebrated in this moment. I think the, the more the celebration comes from we get somebody that we know who did a great job and it's not Chapek anymore. I think the thing that's being glossed over, the fact is Chapek was his choice right and it was a horrible choice and it did not work out and the reason he's having to come back at all is because the succession plan was a failure as much yeah. as he's done amazing other things this was a failure and coming back is somewhat of an admission of that even though it's being couched as oh i'm so excited to be back
0: and i don't think it took him long to agree to come back come back i think it Tw- was- 12 hours you only took 12 of- hours that yeah, i mean usually you know that that's a huge decision Um, and, and part of the reason he's coming back is his own pride, right? His own ambition. He can't let the last thing that he did be such an epic failure that potentially would tank the company. Um, he's got to come in and clean up his own record for that, for that matter. Um, but he is a creative, at his heart, I think Iger, at least more than than Chapek, maybe not as much as Eisner, but Iger is very much a, a creative person that values creativity and the creative process. And I mean, that's what Disney is at its core. It's uh, if it's no longer a creative company, it's no longer going to have a a viable product to sell. Um, and I think he'll he'll cast a creative vision and get. Get somebody in there who understands that more. That That's what I'm excited about. Uh, okay, it's no longer going to be pursuing the direction of just milking people for every dollar they've got, because that's really what it was. How can we get the maximum amount of dollar out of every person who loves this brand? Let's just use and abuse them and use and abuse our employees, you know, not pay them accordingly. Don't hire as many, don't staff as well so that we can make more profit off of our, uh, off of our employees. That's the whole park reservation system. You know, you're putting the burden on, on the person who, who's coming to enjoy this to do, make your staffing decisions for you of putting them in this park or that park of, okay, there's not going to be as many people at California Adventure today, so let's, we don't have to staff that.
1: So we're just off the heels of another round of price increases, like just, just dropped last week. Just dropped. For Walt Disney World, do you think do you foresee them kind of curtailing some of those decisions and kind of pulling back some of that, maybe lowering the price cuz that's been the big buzz of like it's hard for middle-class families to go have a Disney experience anymore.
0: Yeah, certainly. I mean, when we saw those price jumps, it was like, whoa, if, you know, once all three kids hit, you know, a ticket where we got to get a ticket for all three kids, we're looking at a trip that we can only pull off one or two parks at best when we go to Disney World, Um, which is fine. Like, you know, we've talked about that a lot where we we pref- we our favorite thing about Disney is more the resorts and and hanging out and kind of enjoying all of that. Um, I don't think they will roll back those price increases. I would be, that would be the most surprising thing he could do. I think he could do anything else and I wouldn't be as surprised as that. To to see Disney lower prices?
1: Or maybe just take back the ones they just did and and kind of throw that on. Oh, that was Chapek, like we're going to... We're we're taking another look at this. Let's keep everything the same. Because no. they're not supposed to roll out till December 5th. So he's got time to kind of I say, hey, we're gonna
0: pause this. I don't think I don't think he'll pause that. Okay. What I think he will do um is increase the value of the product that you receive for that price. And there's easy things that you could do. Get rid of the reservation system right away. The people are clamoring for that. Like just Get rid of this extra step that makes going to the park. My parents were there in February. My beautiful, wonderful, fun parents are like, Oh, we're gonna, we've got like a camper rally near Disney. Let's camp at Fort Wilderness for three nights and we'll go to like the Magic Kingdom for a day. And they walk in, they've bought a ticket and they're like, Oh, yeah, you have a ticket, but you don't have a reservation. And like, (laughs) this happens. Every day, families who come from the other side of the country, you know, I I think that the reservation system is an easy win for him. Get rid of it. Just get rid of it. Go back to the old way of doing it. I also think you can add back perks. You know, um, the genie plus lightning lane thing. I don't know if he'll get rid of that completely, but I think there's some tweaks that he could do to that to make it a more uh, to to bring value back to the product. I think you 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 start paying your cast members a better wage, and you're gonna get a much better overall experience for everybody because people are gonna be happy to work there for you again. Like when you laid off everybody and then you brought them back at a at the same wage, even though wages had, you know, everybody else in the industry had raised that and you didn't. Of course, you're going to get stuck with the people who aren't super excited to be there. You know, so I think there's these types of things. Bring back like the perks of like, you know, at Disney World, you would get a free ride from the airport to a resort. They took he took that away. It was like these little things like if you stayed at a Disney resort, you got all of these added perks, extra magic hours. You got a free magic band. You got a ride from the airport like all. And he took all of that away. All of it. JPEG did. So that was one of the things where people are going, you're raising the prices on food, lodging, and now you're raising the price on the parks. But all you're doing is taking things away. You're just taking things away. So why am I paying more for less? So I think that's what Iger should focus on is I would be shocked if the prices decrease. It could happen. That would be like monumental. But I think what's more likely is to see certain perks or new perks come back, fix some of these things that are you know fundamentally wrong with the consumer experience. But that's just one man's opinion
1: <laughs> Well, we will keep everybody abreast of the situation uh see see as 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 more things drop, I'm sure. By next week, we're going to have other little nuggets and stuff kind of come out. Maybe more story behind the situation. I've heard a couple things that one of the reasons that he was so amped to take this the job back is because he had been kind of looking around at other things to do they and painting out. And yeah, so I it's no shocker that he was potentially like dabbling with a presidential run in there, um, public office. Uh, he was looking at some uh, sports teams to own when the whole fiasco with the um, Phoenix Suns came around a couple, mm-hmm. a few months ago, uh, with their owner now selling the team because of horrible things that he had said and done. Um, that was a big hope was that people are like, oh, I wonder if he'll help. He will co-buy the team with another group of people, but because ESPN was the one that broke the story about the owner, the owner was like, I'm for sure not going to sell my team to a Bob Iger run conglomerate or whatever Uh, that's some of the things that I just even was listening to a podcast with Bill Simmons today that he was talking about so it's things like that that fell through which is why he was like after 12 hours he was like yes I will go run my dream job again let me do that again because nothing else panned out the grass wasn't as green as he
0: thought it was going to be and a couple of reports have said he has taken a much lower compensation for this new round. Whatever mm-hmm. that means. But that, you know, he's, let's just say he's not making $23 million probably.
1: There's uh, not, not, as, not quite as many rhinestones on this golden parachute like, uh, yeah. like Paycheck does. But we'll keep talking about it as things come up and we will be giving you our hot takes right here. And we got some more hot takes to go as we uh, just had two weekends ago. Sorry, it's been a little delayed in us getting to this, but two weekends ago, Wakanda Forever dropped. I've been waiting for the sequel to the initial Black Panther uh, movie, and um, I just saw this last night, just got it in, uh, just got it in in time, Um, so it's fresh on my memory, but Eddie... What's your, what was your, what was your anticipation for this film? Was it really high? I know those trailers were special. The initial trailer was amazing.
0: Yeah. We, we were able to sneak out and have a little date night and go see this Friday. Um, and yeah, I, ha- I had been really excited. I, I, I think I was a little apprehensive cause I mean, you, it's, you knew it wasn't going to be a true sequel because of the loss of Chadwick Boseman. And so there's a little bit of this, I'm excited for a new Black Panther, but it's also bittersweet and sad because you're like, oh man, you know, to not have your your lead actor um, to be able to return to such, um, I, I mean, I think you could say historic, you know, groundbreaking character in film. Uh, the way they handled his death, uh, both his death and then the character's death Um, like the, just straight from the beginning, I got to say, like, I thought it was very touching, just the Marvel, um, opening, um, title card being all, uh, Chadwick Boseman. I thought that was really sweet. I thought that was a really great way to Mm -hmm. honor
1: him. They did the same thing.
0: They did the same thing for, um, Stanley when he passed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I was, you know, How is this going to go? What is this? Then when I started hearing the things about Namor being in this and the Mesoamerican background, the Mayan background, I started getting really excited. Because JB knows when we were like seniors in high school, I hit this weird Mayan (laughs) (laughs) face. I know all of you listening have had your weird Mayan phase. Um, But I I had gone on, uh, I think it was like even maybe our senior trip was the first time and visited Mayan ruins, taken a tour, bought a couple like books and stuff. And I became just very fascinated with this period in history. I think even one of my final speeches in senior speech class was on the Mayan culture, if memory serves me correctly there. Um, So yeah, I was really excited to see how that character would come all out and together and everything. Um, And I I enjoyed this movie. I don't think I enjoyed it to the same level as I did the original. but That would be really hard to do. You know, like, I don't think I was expecting to enjoy it as much as I did the original. Um, But I would say overall, it was a very entertaining film. You know, it was, it was fun. The
1: initial one, the first black Panther film had a cultural, just shockwave. Yeah. That happened even everything from obviously Chadwick Boseman, but also like the whole, the, the symbol, the arms crossed it. Like you could see people doing that kind of all over the place. Mm -hmm. It had a ton, a massive amount of buzz for that, for that film when it first came out and, and rightfully so, um, this one, it it definitely, sn- it, it, it's not like it snuck up, like we knew it was coming, but it was interesting the past week, past 10 days or so, I was waiting for more reaction to the film. And yes, it did really good in the box office. I think it set records for a November release, mm-hmm. um, but
0: it's up to 500 million now.
1: Wow. That's crazy. So obviously people are going to see this, but this film is not hit not that it was ever going to do the same thing but it just the 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 conversation has not been anywhere near what the what the initial one had um i think it um it was interesting i was waiting for people like to come back and come into the office talking about it i don't know if everyone just kind of waited to go see it or what like i did um we had other i was going to see it the previous weekend but our heater went out so i couldn't go do that um, so I thought that was interesting that there wasn't but then when I saw the film um, this was definitely this was a film that it, it kind of had to go through this process of this wasn't just here's the next Black Panther film the entire film is, a, is dealing with that grief of losing not only Chadwick Boseman but also um, T'Challa, King T'Challa like the entire thing is about everybody's grief. different ways of, of yeah, of dealing with grief. And there was never, it, it almost, not it was set up to fail, but it was set up to not be a normal Marvel film, if that makes sense. Like, it couldn't just be a, here's just a great right. story. It's like, right. we all have to, like, everybody's going to deal with this together. And it literally takes Shiri the entire film could, to kind of deal with it from her own perspective on it. Um, and in different ways. And like, there's so much loss in this film, just so many different, different characters that come out of here. Um, and then you've got, I think it's, it's weird for them to have to be dealing with this and then also have to bring on like, okay, here's a brand new, brand new villain that's got to come in and, and kind of take over and really almost threaten your very existence. Uh, I think that's what kind of left me feeling like I enjoyed this film, I didn't love this film.
0: Well, let's think about it another way. Like, if if I say um, Captain America Winter Soldier, boom, you think the highway sequence, right? When I say even like the original Black Panther, you think like that first time you fly into Wakanda and you see it or the, or waterfall, think, the waterfall, the waterfall the sequence. The fights on that, yep. You know, when I say, and, and any of the big, um, you know, moment. of these Marvel movies, they have that moment, that stirring moment where you're just like, "Whoa, I have to see this in the theater for that moment." And this never had that. You right. never arrived at a moment. I thought we might um right uh, like uh arrived at that moment when you go to the underwater city, um. It was It and was hard to see anything. It was hard to see. Thank you. Like, that was, I'm going, this is really odd that this is the way that they're visually, like, it's very realistic. Like, sure, this is what a city's going to look like at the, the depths of the ocean. The,
1: the underwater city in episode one of Star Wars is way more inviting, like capturing your attention, that, like Jar Jar City was way more interesting than than this. I, I, it's almost like they leaned too much on a realism, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, and I think that's like, when you first get introduced to Wakanda in the first one, you see this incredible blend of traditional and modern Africa. Yep. Uh, that's like, wow, that's really cool. That's really intriguing. So I was waiting for some style or version of that. And it's like, oh no, they're like passing bubbles around to each other or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I don't want to go live there. Um, yeah. And, and I, I uh, you hate to say it because you, I mean, under the circumstances and everything, but it is really hard to have a whole movie, an epic like this, all about grief, right? Cause that's even Neymar's whole character arc is the grief, you know, the, everybody's, yeah, I mean,
1: everybody's arc in this is
0: all the same. It's grief is grief. All the same thing, yeah. is grief. And you're like, oh, you kind of get to the end of it. And I think there, you know, just to give a big spoiler warning here, the after credits sequence was kind of one of the first moments we got a little glimmer of of hope when you meet T'Challa's son, you know, and you're like, oh, and you see that little boy is like smile and was like so vibrant, so beautiful. You're like, oh, there's, a, okay, we got a little bit of a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Like it took us yep. over two hours to get there, but okay, there's a little something. But until that moment, it, oh, it was just like grief, grief, grief. I wasn't um, blown away by Namor.
1: I think th- th- his best moments was when he was like jetting from place to place and taking taking ships down. you are like, man, I have no idea how to stop this guy. <laughs> how are you going to mm-hmm. do anything that you're hoping to do? um but overall i wasn't like super impressed by his bad guy like that's always my my big go-to like okay how good is the film it's like how good is your bad guy in this and i think maybe because i spent so much time making him feel real and Mm -hmm. his like like i i personally enjoy when there's like some sort of like oh i can see why someone would do this i still kind of like to have it a little bit more sinister and this guy felt like oh he's just kind of just revenging his, his mom here to some degree. It's not like, I didn't really care for, I didn't just, I just didn't care for him that much. Like I wasn't like blown away, like, like feeling like, Oh, we have to beat this guy. Like us together. We got to take him over. And also this, the ending fight scene on the ship kind of blah, kind of like, kind of like there wasn't that much to it. Um, They're just attacking the ship and there's a ton of people like they're, They should win this thing, but they didn't somehow in the end, just because their leader kind of got taken out. It was
0: well, it was was like your whole strategy is based off of like this sonic device at the bottom of the boat and all of the took was one person to swim up and put a bomb in it. It's like, and then it was done. You know, you didn't see that coming. (laughs) Exactly. Of course, that's how it's going to go down. I, I mean, that being said, I felt like there was some some really great performances in this. Um, I can't remember the actress's name, but the the young woman who plays Shuri. Fantastic.
1: Letitia Wright, Wright, yep.
0: Fantastic performance. Angela Bassett. Uh, Angela Bassett. I've heard even half this film. If not more, yeah. Like I've heard people go, should she get an Oscar nomination for this thing? Like it is so like she I mean, she is an incredible actress. Um, but this was just like, man, yeah, she acted her socks off on this one.
1: Yeah, I was so impressed by Angela Bassett as Ramonda Um in this film, she was such a force of nature mm-hmm. for this for the half the the half of this film, spoiler alert, that she's in. Um and I, I even felt like Leticia Wright did pretty good, pretty well, pretty well as, as well, kind of with her own journey in there.
0: Um did you think she would be the one to take the Black, Ma- Black Panther mantle?
1: I, I, I figured it would be her, mostly because Nakia <clears throat> isn't central enough. Yeah. Like, she's not a central enough character to that family, to that world. She's always been the outsider that kind of, like, is on the fringes, and you feel that again. And when, when, when it's, like, halfway through the film and we haven't <coughs> seen her yet, that's when I knew it was, like, yeah, it's going to be Letitia. It's going to be Shuri. Shuri's for sure, for sure going to be and she's also got someone t- coming up to take her place as the tech person with Riri um the um this college student taking over taking over like you kind of just okay hearts. I can see yes got I got a little bit of a glimpse of her in there um you just kind of get sense <laughs> of okay obviously they're setting this up for Shuri to take to take over um and she did a good job in the suit and everything like that but um I think it's just the fact that this it didn't have any iconic, like even right now, I'm trying to think of any iconic moments from this. Maybe, I guess they thought the whales, like riding with the whales might be it. I just, I didn't get any of that. Um, like even in the first one, there were so many like technical cool things that they did with like putting the thing on a, on the a, on cars and um, the spear. They kind of did the spear thing again um i did the car thing again yeah i didn't i didn't there was nothing new or different because it was mostly just preoccupied with this internal conflict that everybody was dealing with um so yeah that's that's kind of how i i I felt
0: you want to know what my favorite thing about this movie was what i mean the standout thing that's like my favorite part of wakanda forever is that we had nothing to do with the multiverse.
1: (laughs) Isn't it always a breath of fresh air, especially thinking of Ant-Man coming up and it's going to be
0: all. Thank you. Thank you. It was just one linear story. It was one linear story. One world. Here we go. None of this like bouncing around. Where am I? Who is this? What is there? Like, The whole multiverse thing, I mean, it was clever like the first few times, but now it's just too much. Just too much. And this is what all of the next movies are going to all be. So we got to get ready for that. When does Ant-Man, when's Ant-Man?
1: Because I know that's going to be on steroids. Yep. February 17th. So
0: that'll be, that'll be interesting. And February release. Hmm. Yeah, because our next big Marvel um, release, I think, is this week um, with the holiday special for Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, yeah. I was like, what's the next big one? Oh, I gotcha. Which Kevin Feige came out and said was the very first Disney plus Marvel content that he pitched. What's the Guardians of the Galaxy uh, holiday special? Oh, my gosh! That's Have you seen the trailer for this thing? oh i have
1: Where oh they yes. kidnap kevin bacon kidnap kevin bacon i feel like we missed that when, when we were just talking about all of the random content that came out Oh, so weeks, much there's so much we got that and then it's gonna we've got some other non disney well not actually no it's not it is disney avatar 2 that's the next big big thing coming out
0: no you, and this is going to make them a ton of money Like, I mean, you've got Black Panther warming up the box office with 500 million. Uh, Strange World, I think will do pretty good. We'll see. Um, And then Avatar Way of Water, you know, they made what? Like over 200 million dollars, you know, in the re-release a couple of months ago. Everybody who was doubting that this had lost its time, it wasn't going to do well. I think is totally off base. I think this is going to do really, really well. Mean I We're going opening night <laughs> to like, to uh, Avatar. Yeah. Like, so my parents have like, Hey, we're going to give you like an overnight date night. Um, We're able to get like a hotel and we're going to stay, you know, get a kind of a night away from the kids. And we planned it around being able to go see this movie <laughs> on, on its opening.
1: December sixteenth.
0: Yep. I I loved I loved the original. I saw it multiple times. here. I saw it just recently in the re release. Um, the Pandora World of Avatar and Animal Kingdoms. One of my favorite lands Disney Parks has ever done. Um, and that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm very excited for this, and I think this is going to be the thing where we go. Oh, this is dis. You know, Disney's going to be really happy that they're making some money here, and so then- they can pay. Bob Iger to build new things in the parks. Mm-hmm.
1: And The Mandalorian season three comes out same time in February next year. February's going to be a good month. Yeah. There's a, lot, there's a lot of things to be thankful for in February.
0: I think next week we need to have a big Disney plus catch up day.
1: Well, we have to spend a whole segment, like a whole of the episode just on Andor. Just on the, Andor. As you are listening to this episode, it will be live. The last at, episode for the next two years.
0: At, we have to wait two years. They're just season. now starting,
1: pre- they're just now in production right now on the next season, and it's not going to be out. Uh, so
0: that's painful. Yep. Um, Andor, we've got Disenchanted, just came out this weekend. We tried to start it with the kids and then we were like, oh, yeah, this is too hard to keep the kids, you know, focused on this movie. <laughs> but I'm, I'm really excited about that. I'm a big fan of the original Enchanted, but I haven't been able to watch it yet. The holiday special we did just watch. There was a documentary about Mickey Mouse that came out. Yeah. Had you seen this? Have you yep. watched it? We watched half
1: of it. I don't know. Well, if I
0: remember it was, it was really good. And I thought even just like the ending and how they've like worked to like recreate it. It's very interesting. Iger shows up in that documentary, not Chapek, but Iger. And it re- came out before all of this drama. It's like, hmm, this is interesting. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of little little things out there on Disney Plus right now. So I think next week we need to do a bit of a what's new on Disney Plus episode. I think we will. I think, we're, I think we have to. As you like to say, it's our podcast. It's our we podcast. We do whatever we, can do what we, we, we want.
1: We want. And so far, we've done what we want for forty-five minutes, uh, talking about everything, but what people really came here
0: for—really came here for. Which, Real. Eddie, this is a
1: great, Real. this is a great, great one to do right now because we ended up putting up our Christmas tree early this year because we're going to be out for Thanksgiving.
0: As um, did we, because we live in a culture that starts celebrating Christmas in October.
1: <laughs> yep. So we are. Um, We've already got the Christmas spirit going. So this is great. This is perfect time. I think this happened the first year, the the first year of our podcast, we had Muppet Christmas Carol, like came out immediately right
0: during Mm -hmm. Christmas time. It was like, perfect. This is another Uh, one. I think that episode released like Christmas, the week of Christmas. Yeah, that timed out really, really it might, it might have And then the following week
1: was soul and it crushed our souls to talk about soul.
0: But you loved Muppet Christmas Carol. Muppet Christmas Carol mm, no. was one of the best movies you've ever seen, quote Ever, unquote. ever seen. I'm just
1: saying it was perfectly timed for the content and topic, not that I actually liked it. Mm. We'll see about today. We'll see about today because today we are talking about the sequel, which is The Santa Claus
0: 2. Cue the Disney sound effect.
1: Okay, IMDb description for the Santa Claus 2. If you haven't seen this yet, you should have already seen this, but we're going to do it anyways. Okay, Scott Calvin has been a humble Santa Claus for eight years, but it might come to an end if he doesn't find a Mrs. Claus. Humble Santa Claus? I don't know that humble is ever a word that was
0: said about Tim um,
1: Tim Allen. Or any character that he's played, like humble, lowly. Yeah, no.
0: always a little cocky. Yeah, there's
1: a, lot of other, there's a lot of other words used for this. Sure. Eddie, tell me about your memories growing up watching
0: this movie. Um, I mean, we were a big fan of the original. In fact, like that was one of the first Christmas movies we watched this year. Um, So I think when the sequel came out, it was like really exciting. A um, little bit of, you know, more of what what you've all come to enjoy um but i never remember this like rising to the same level as the original um like hitting that kind of classic feel or whatever or whatever but um yeah i mean it was a solid watch in our in our house uh when it came out this was i don't know if i ended up seeing this in
1: theaters my because it's 2002
0: 2002 right? So you don't get your first until two thousand five, I thought.
1: No, it, no, it was two thousand. It was two thousand two because we saw uh, episode two of Star Wars. The the um, clone. Uh, yeah, that was yeah, yeah, that was yeah. our first film. So I think I might have actually seen this in theaters. Whoa! Or now crossed, we've now crossed, crossed over into that part of my my childhood. Crossed um, the threshold. Yeah. So this is one of one of my first movies and it was first Christmas movie probably that I had seen in theaters. Um, and just had fond memories. The thing I always remember is, uh, Charlie repelling through the ceiling and he's on the naughty list.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but like every teenager, he can't say why he's on the, not why he's being so naughty. Um, but, uh, we get, uh, Juliet from lost major part of this. She is also in the new, um, the new, the Santa Clauses that's now just released on Disney plus now. So we'll probably have to talk about that next week as well. Mm-hmm. Maybe you might have to watch a couple of the episodes just to get a taste for it. Um, bringing that back see Disney doesn't hate Tim Allen as much as we thought, we thought he did just, just Pixar. Um, and this is a, exactly what you expect from a Tim Allen film, a Tim Allen, Christmas, uh, film from the early two thousands. Like this is, this is him lots, in, his, in his bag.
0: Lots of one-liners, you know, uh, not-so-veiled sarcasm. <laughs> uh, but then these, like, beautiful, little heartwarming, you know, moments. I mean, it's not pure Michigan heartwarming moments, but it gets close. Pure Michigan. You know, the pure Michigan ads? Oh, I've heard he about voices? these. That he voices. I've heard about these. Heard about these? We grew up in Indiana hearing them all the time. I don't remember actually experiencing them myself. Oh my goodness. They would come over the radio and it's like, I live in Indiana. I, I'm good. Like, you know, I'm not like that much in love with Michigan here. I don't hate it, but I'm not in love with it. But then you listen to Tim Allen talk about it and he talks about it like such a heartwarming way. You're like, Okay, I'll go visit Michigan. I want to. My
1: favorite quote from him in this film, in this movie, was, "I've got sides. i got many sides. I'm a Rubik's cube with pants on." <laughs> that was my that was my favorite one liner that he had that he had in here.
0: It is an interesting. Like I, I enjoyed the whole, um, you know, Easter Bunny, Tooth Fairy thing, kind of like at the beginning. I. It was borderline campy. Yes. Um, And even, you know, in the rewatch, you're kind of going, I don't know if this totally works. Like, because I think that's I think that's one of the things that's so good about the original is it feels very authentic and like, oh, like this could really happen. This it feels like a real world in place and everything. If Santa was
1: real this would definitely Yeah, exactly exactly
0: (laughs) thank you thank you
1: whenever i experience Um, something like this it usually feels
0: like this and then so for this to kind of start with that you're right it's like eh, it just kind of pulled it down a little bit it's like this is a little too campy then you pull out the toy replicated santa bossing everybody around and like Um, becoming, you know, this, you know, militant gorilla of Santa or whatever. It's like, "Mm, this just feels weird. Like, I, and and it's not even so much like, I don't mind the storyline of like having to find Mrs. Claus and everything. Uh, That's really sweet. That's got some really great moments. But everything with the toy Santa, just is kind of weird and creepy to me. Oh, he was weird and creepy. But I actually kind of, liked it
1: because it wasn't like a he comes out of the thing and he's immediately evil and ready to take over he has his own little arc in there of like being brought to life not knowing anything learning about coco learning how to look through a manual and then all of a sudden he's like but this is wrong but why didn't we do this oh this is wait a minute i'm the guy in the chair i can make all the calls and then it's just that slow progression to where he gets to literally militant with with his outfit and everything like that, and bringing all of the, um, I got a very much a babes in toyland feel from all the giant uh, toy soldiers. I actually yeah, kind of, I-, I actually kind of liked it. I I thought it was, it wasn't. They could have done this way more stereotypical than that they did and it's because it's tim allen in the suit like doing tim allen things to make it a little bit different and the way he like even drinks the coffee drinks the the hot cocoa is different than what other how a lot of other people would have done it um so i kind of liked it i wasn't i wasn't mad about it it's weird it's different and i guess you could say it's probably a departure from what the original was that wasn't that hokey but it's that's kind of the par for the course with sequels anyways it's like how can we get the fbi involved in this (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: um we're not going to get to it in our walkthrough so i'm going to jump forward here a little bit in 2008 they released santa claus 3 Mm, the escape clause with with martin Martin short Short, yep have you seen that
1: i saw it when it came out or sometime around there I remember nothing other than uh, Martin Short as Jack Frost. So they kind of continue on with all the seasonal um, characters.
0: I I would say like where this movie just kind of barely stayed tolerable with some of that kind of oddity and uh, campiness, that trajectory scaled up higher exponentially worse exponentially. So by the time we get to the third one, it's, This this is a little too much. I I don't know if I can handle this, but the other the
1: other storyline that I was more impressed by than I thought, not impressed by, but more felt better about than I was expecting to was um, the conflict between um, the principal and him when it comes to the fact that they've actually come together and they're falling in love and then he says, or they're really starting to get along really well. And then he plays the Santa card. It felt really earned when she's like, yeah. don't do this to me. I told you yeah. a very personal thing and you are, t- and, and it's because she's a great, she's a great actor. She's really, she's really good at what she does.
0: No, I'm really glad that you brought up that scene. I think you're totally right. Like, cause you that- feel it
1: coming. You're like, no man, this is going to break her heart. She's going to think you're taking advantage of her right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah that's a powerful scene. And it feels kind of weird because it's in the midst of all of the, all everything else going on, but it's a very tender, like very emotional sequence, um, that you feel for her in that. And you're like, yeah, I, I can resonate that when you feel like somebody is misusing something very personal that you opened up to them about. And the way that she presents that scene is, yeah, I, I I'm a a fan of Elizabeth Mitchell. Everything that I've seen her in is always, you know, it's she's one of my favorite characters in that particularly lost um with Juliet. Uh but that that sequence in particular here, you really felt it. Of course we get some of the older characters back. We get Bernard
1: um who's back in the, in, in in the fold. Um I forget the Who, other
0: Yeah. Bernard has my favorite line of the movie. This guy is not Santa. He's a toy. He has a rubber face and a plastic tushy. <laughs> I might have written that one down too. <laughs> Best line of the movie right there. Goes to Bernard.
1: That whole takeover scene, I the first thing that came to my mind was is this what it was like at Twitter when Elon Musk took it over? Is this is this what is happening live right now on, on the behind the scenes in the Twitter 2.0 takeover? Uh, that's all that's all I could th- that's all I could think about.
0: You can see those pictures. There's people who are still working there like tweeting it out. It's, and like you, you see all these meetings with him working through stuff with the engineers at Twitter, and they're all loving it. The people who stuck it out are like smiling, enjoying themselves.
1: We've got plastic faces. Like,
0: ah, this is amazing.
1: Uh-huh. We're here. Um, can, okay, so the rain, I'm more
0: optimistic about all that than anybody else. It's just,
1: yeah, that's a whole another conversation of just like <laughs> what in the world is happening and everything. The Twitter blue is like a complete wow. <laughs> I just can't believe what's happening. Anyway, sorry. Uh, anyways, back on what we're really talking about: hard right turn. So the reindeer, why did they make them sound like Jar Jar Binks?
0: And I think this is that other element of this feeling more and more campy, right? That was too far. in In the first one, they do a lot of like grunts and a little bit of like some sounds that could sound like vocalizations. And the animatronic or whatever that they used is okay in the first one. It's believable. This one, it feels so 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 unreal it, it it's i don't even know it's like a cross between like a cheap mall animatronic and claymation and then you get the jar jar Binks sounds coming out of them
1: it's not and a ma-
0: the, it's not a the major part Rudolph, of it yeah who, who or who's the, the small comet the small reindeer oh we got chet Chet's the, chet, chet, chet chet is
1: the the reindeer in training
0: no, Who almost no. runs them over
1: in the, in the front, which was some no, really so horrible stupid. CGI.
0: So stupid. Horrible CGI, like just the execution of all of that. It's just so cheesy. Just so stupid. Like, uh. It doesn't feel endearing. Like, it doesn't feel um, warm and fuzzy nostalgia like the first one gave you. It feels very much, uh, I don't know. I'm running out to adjectives to describe this. It's
1: weird. The luckily, it's not a major part of this film. Like you don't get a ton of reindeer t- like face time, screen time, sure. which is good. But anytime they're on screen doing their Jar Jar voice, I was just like, "Why, guys? We could have done a lot better than this." Uh, shout out to Molly Shannon for her just like blind date of from hell doing her Shania Twain feel like a woman impersonation <laughs> and then when he's like actually it kind of scared me a little bit and she's like that was it was really hard for me to do and like, <laughs> just like and I love that they didn't do the typical like let's have him go on like seven dates and you get a bad taste of each one of them it's like let's just have him go with Molly Shannon and it's the date for a out. really bad one
0: just get one really bad one uh, I, I, yeah. I love Molly Shannon and I particularly love these scenes that she does because this, I mean, she's done this in a couple other things where she just kind of shows up for this over the top extreme moment in the whole sequence. And there's nobody who can just nail it. Just stick the landing <laughs> like Molly Shannon. When, and when she goes into Shania Twain, for me, this is probably the funniest moment in the whole movie just eddie
1: crying on the floor watching watching the scene on repeat
0: i like molly shannon her superstar uh character in snl is one of my favorites
1: so the um stepdad who's also a psychiatrist i Mm -hmm. forget his character's name in here neil neil oh what a perfect
0: psychiatrist name
1: uh when he they sa- took
0: this, they took the sweater. His sweaters to another level. In sweaters this
1: was so good, and then he loans him a sweater to wear yeah. on the date with his minivan. It's great. But when he said, "Don't let the facts that you have no time, no prospects, and a crippling fear of intimacy keep your spirits down," <laughs> that was great. I love that we got just one of those zingers in there, and then they they really had no screen time in this. They had like no, they had just a couple couple scenes like in the principal's office, and then at home. Um, yeah,
0: I'll be interested to see how much they pop up in the Disney Plus series, Santa Claus's. What do we think of Charlie? He's older in this. Did, did his
1: acting prowess grow at all in this? Did we like him? Like, how did we feel about Charlie?
0: It was about the same. I mean, I'm not... Anytime you've got the storyline where it's the moody teenager... That
1: can't communicate. Which I'm, I can't I, communicate. we don't have teenagers yet, Eddie. So I'm sure we'll, when we're there, we will go. We definitely oh. will hate it.
0: We'll be like, oh, oh or this or is identify, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Identify with but, it. But anytime that comes up, it's so hard. It's so painful. I think that's why, like, even though it's one of my favorite storylines, it's one of the hardest books to read in the whole Harry Potter series is Order of the Phoenix. Oh, man. I was so. Because you are so annoyed with Harry by the end of it.
1: Annoyed with Harry, hating Umbridge, like the fact that nobody will listen to him, but you then you're also fight. like kind of mad at Harry while, he, while
0: this is going on. So yeah, this is kind of with Charlie, the angsty teenager moody stuff. It's like, I understand this role in the story. And it's a, I mean, he does a really good job with that and propels the story along with it. But you're just like, I don't want any more of this. Yeah, it didn't seem like he took
1: that many acting lessons from the time he was really young in the first one, and, no. and to this one, it, he he was not the highlight of this movie for me.
0: It was an improvement from um, the kid who played Anakin in the first Star Wars movie, <laughs> but that's a pretty low bar. That, that, is, that, that is, you know, that I have to, to work too hard to get past that one. <laughs> Ah, well, I feel like we have arrived at the moment to give our ratings. Mm -hmm. JB, what are you going to give the Santa Claus
1: 2? This was a very traditional Tim Allen Christmas special. Something you're going to turn on. One of the many options you're going to turn on when you inevitably around this time next year or even this year, if you haven't already turned it on. Just one of those movies you're going to watch. I'm still going to watch the first one a lot, a, lot, a lot sooner than I am this one, I think. Um, I should have looked up what I gave the first one.
0: You gave it a two. I, I looked it up. Ooh, I gave it a you, two. You are a bit of a Scrooge, my friend. You have not given any of the Christmas movies we've reviewed <laughs> higher than a two.
1: I was going to be more generous
0: with this film. But now thinking about the original, man. I was wondering if you were going to be more generous. And before I was ready with that fact, I looked it up because I was like, I'm going to jump on him if he gives this higher than a two. I
1: now I don't know what to do with myself now because I I should give the original more than a two. I should go back and slap my former self and say, Uh, JB, what were you thinking? I gave it it
0: it a a 3.5, the original.
1: Yeah, I I really did give it a two. I need to go mm-hmm. back and listen. And if you haven't, you can go back to our, our episode. We've got it on our website. Like a year and a half ago, when we covered covered that film. Um, man, that makes it really hard to to rank this. Then because I was going to give it, I was gonna, I was gonna nudge it a little bit. I I mean, I can't give it more than a two. So I'm just gonna keep on giving it a two.
0: You're gonna say it's on the same level as the last one.
1: I'm saying. That if I can give, I would watch this before I would rewatch Tuck Everlasting. <laughs> and I gave Tuck la- Everlasting. I feel like I gave. I was too generous with Tuck Everlasting. Yeah, I should have. I should have made that a, a one and a half. So I'm gonna give it a two. I'm just gonna give all Christmas movies a two because they're not world beaters. They're Scrooge. not. The, and there is a time to watch them again. No, granted, we didn't we uh, home, uh, home alone is not on our list, or else that would have been a five. Okay, I was gonna up. say
0: you just said I'm gonna give all
1: Christmas movies no. a two. All Christmas movies that are mostly on our list. I don't know we don't have that many left. No, we don't have many left on the list. If Any? Do we have any Christmas movies left? Because I was gonna say no, Home we Alone.
0: Do. We could now that
1: um Croncas of Narnia, is that a Christmas
0: movie? No, it is not a Christmas the Line movie. The Lion of the Witch in the Wardrobe, it takes place in Christmas time. No, it doesn't. It takes place in winter. Same thing. No, it's not. Um, the Family Stone is a Christmas movie. And you know I love that film. You know That's I love that film. That's more than a two. That's more than a two. Way more than a two. That's a five. That's a rewatcher. Um, I'm going to give The Santa Claus 2 a 2.5. Okay. Just, uh, I'm going to. a full- little bit outside. I gave the original 3.5. I think it is a one point step down. Still good. Good rewatch. Not every Christmas like the original, um, but eh, every other.
1: You're saying you're not necessarily watching this every Christmas.
0: Right. It's like eh. the third Santa Claus. I can't tell you the last time I've seen that. So that's on purpose. The When it wasn't just like someone turned this on. Who
1: turned this this thing on?
0: Mom, why did you? Yeah. Uh, So I'm intrigued to see the Santa Clauses, hopefully in next week's episode, when we do our review of everything new on Disney plus, we can uh, touch that really quick. We need to come up with a list
1: of just to make sure that I've actually watched or at least glanced or watched a trailer of most of the things that we're going to talk about next week. Right.
0: So look forward to that uh, next week, but 2.5, JB stays the Scrooge and gives all Christmas movies a two. You heard it here. He hates Christmas. All Christmas movies are he twos. He hates Christmas movies. I don't movies. hate them. They're
1: just twos.
0: Yeah. So with that, your life has been forever changed by another episode of Honey, We Made a Disney Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever
1: you listen to your other favorite podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review or share it with your best friend.
0: You can also check us out at honeywemade.com. We referenced our movie list earlier in the episode. Continue as we walk through all the movies of our childhood of 2000, of 1988 to 2005. Uh, we're going to take a break from that next week as we look at everything new on Disney+. Plus. But the week after, we'll get right back to that.
1: Including Andor. Going to get our full thoughts on Andor. Thank you for listening and remember, everyone just wants something to believe in.